Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Diary of an Addict. Today we have Jazaniah Al on to share her story. I met Jazz about four years ago, and at the time I was in the height of my active addiction. Um, as happens with a lot of people that I've known and met at that time, I kind of lost touch with, with me losing track of myself and then being locked up. You know, I, I lose touch with people. So it's nice to see what they've been up to, especially when it's something positive. So here we go. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Diary of an Addict. Today we have a good friend of mine, Jazz, on the show. I'm going to say Jazz because I'm not really sure how to pronounce her name correctly and I don't want to butcher it on here, so I'm going to let her tell you how to pronounce it. What's up, Jazz? Hi, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Well, how are you doing? I'm good as well. Uh, Thank you for having me on here. Do you want to tell um, everybody what your name is? Yes. Uh, so my name is Jasmine Owl. Um, I grew up in the Birdtown community in Cherokee, North Carolina. I'm 22 years old. Yeah. Um, did you grow up with both your parents? Uh, did Did they drink or use? And did you ever see them, if so? I grew up with my mother and my stepdad. And my mother used, not my stepdad. I I grew up around it my whole life. So growing up, a lot of times seeing some of the stuff that we see growing up, we we, uh, just categorize it as normal because it's our mom and our dad or our stepdad or our stepmom. It's our authority figures, if you will doing it so it makes it seem normal to us did you uh was it like that for you definitely yes i i see it as normal um because i was just always exposed i i always held my mom on a high pedestal of like you know i I held her up there with god as you would say but you know nothing that she could do was wrong in my eyes what was you exposed to if you don't mind me asking uh, well, for starters, I was very young. I was seven years old, uh, as far back as I can remember. And I was with her on her drug runs with her friends in a suburban car. Um, and I was in the very caboose of that car. Like, I, I was in the trunk with my blanket, a pillow, Barbies, whatever, to keep me occupied. Running back and forth as many times as she would to just keep getting high. And, um, yeah, she was using crack cocaine. When you say running back and forth, you wasn't just running across the res, were you? Were you running, like, from, from Cherokee to another city or yeah, like the town? The Asheville at least, like, three to four times a day. Yeah. I only say that because I know, like, when I was in the drug game, crack wasn't really a I mean, I knew people who smoked crack on the res, but it wasn't that prevalent. 
because not that many people were selling it. So you had to go elsewhere to get it, or you had to know somebody, or you just had to make it yourself. Um, wow, that's pretty crazy, Jazz. Um, so it was like that every day, or just whenever she had car and access, or how did that operate? Man, when you have a habit, you're going to find a way, no matter what. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to laugh, but I was just, you know, that's no, I know for sure, for sure. Like you, you will find a way. Like it's like almost like an addict is almost like. Have you seen them old school like animal traps? They're like they're like a circle, and then you step on something in the middle, and it snaps up with the teeth. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know that yeah. some animals, when trapped like that, they'll chew their own leg off to get away. Right. That's, yeah. that's how an addict is. You know what I mean? It's it, it's insane. So I know exactly what you mean when you say that. Um, so I'm sure being on these drug runs, you've seen her doing her drugs, I guess, or maybe maybe not necessarily. You've seen her directly doing them, but you've seen her when she was high. Yeah, always. I, I would see her while she was high because she she wouldn't wait. Uh, nor her friends neither. Like they, they were doing it with me in the car. They don't care. Wow, that's a from a young age. I bet you still remember that smell, huh? Yes, I can spot it anywhere. <laughs> that's a that's a really distinct smell, like burning plastic. I once the closest thing I ever seen one time was a, I seen a bonfire, and they threw in like a garbage bag that was full of trash but when the the garbage bag itself started like burning and melting that's what it, was, it came close to what crack smells like and mm. it's crazy to think that people when i say people i'm including myself but would smoke that you know what i mean but you know it's like you say an addict will do anything um so you're seven years old you're you're doing these drug runs with your mom how long did that continue did she ever um, and I, I want to go ahead and say this right now. I'm not trying to like bad mouth your mom or anything by the questions I'm asking. It's just that, you know, in the cycle of addiction, it normally ends in one of two ways. Well, three ways now. Everybody says one or two. I, myself, I just made a mistake saying one or two, but you either recover, which is the one I was neglecting. You either recover, you get locked up, or you die, you know, so... The reason I was getting ready to ask you how long did that continue is like did she did she ever get in trouble with the law doing that kind of thing? And Jack, there there was a few times you know we would get um, pulled over and stuff. And while she was high, it was like she was in a daze, like in, in another world. But as soon as you told her the cops were on her tail, she would snap out of it. Or like she yeah. she would hear sirens and stuff, she would snap out of it. But yeah, um, it, it went on for a while. Is that how you got started? Yes, because oh. I had access to it. It was in my home. Uh, did you ever? It sounds like she was kind of in a in a. When you're in in making runs like that, a lot of the times to support the habit, you have to sell a little bit of the product. So I was just wondering, because I 
my stepdad sold weed, you know what I mean? So, like, I knew, like, it was an easy way to get money if I needed it, you know what I mean? I was just wondering if that ever happened with you. Um, I feel like it was very easy for her to get, you know, to support her habit because she was a booster. So she she was very good at what she did. Um, she could get her hands on just about anything. She would take orders from people and stuff. She, yeah, she she made it happen. Dang, that's crazy. Um, so when you first, do you remember the first time that you experimented with drugs, or did you drink first? How old were you, and what was it? The first time I ever used, I was 12 or 13 years old, and that was with marijuana. How did that make you feel? Um, Silly. <laughs> silly. <laughs> uh, I, I, feel, I feel good, though, because some of the shit that I went through, um, yeah, some of the things that I went through in life, I just wanted to numb those feelings. I didn't want to think about them. Um, so yeah, weed made me. It made me feel good. When you when you first smoked weed, did you did you? Uh, I know you said you had access to it. So did you smoke like all the time or like regularly? I guess I don't want to say all the time because nobody just. Well, I mean, some people do, but you don't normally. You don't just start and then start using every single day was it just like on the, on the weekends occasionally with friends or just whenever you were feeling overwhelmed or was it a regular thing um it progressed over time because like my, my mom had a lot of friends and the friends that she hung around were mainly her drug friends so i was friends with their kids so if i had access to it more than likely they did as well so we would like steal our, our parents supply their like stash yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Um, did you drink? Did you ever drink that, that young too, or were you just uh, experimenting with marijuana? Um, I'd say like a few shots every now and then. I think that mostly came when I got older. Yeah. So you you was you was uh how old were you when you smoked marijuana? Twelve, you said. Yeah, between 12 and 13, yeah. Did you just keep smoking for a little while? Did you, uh, when did you start experimenting with other drugs? Was it way later or? Um, I actually started dipping and dabbing in my mom's uh, medicine because she had a lot of muscle relaxers, her gabapentin. Um, yeah, so anything that I saw in there that I could get high off of, I grabbed it. Did she ever notice? It took her a while because, like, she was so busy with, like, her lifestyle. So she didn't really notice at first. But what made her begin to notice is my tolerance built up so high from taking all those pills that I ended up taking too much. And I started foaming out the mouth and I just fainted I passed out and yeah I had to go to the hospital how old were you when that happened I was 13 what did what happened from there did did the cops get involved at the hospital or did did your mom just say it was an accident or yeah uh, of course she did because like my mom she's very 
it, it's very hard for her to admit when she's wrong. Um, she tries to make herself look like the victim and not the other way around. So she would say, like, you know, oh, I, I didn't know she was doing this. Like, you know, how did she get a hold of it? But it was right there out in the open. And, um, yes, the cops did get involved. DSS got involved, too. There was a whole investigation. I ended up getting taken away from my family. Wow. When you were 13, did you, did it all happen like very quickly or was it like a process? Mm, I would say less than a year. So yeah, but it was very quick in my eyes. Wow. Um, during all this time, were you, were you going to school and stuff or were you just whenever she would, did she make you go to school or was it just whenever a thing like whenever she remembered to take you or, I went to school. I, I was still in school, and um, I, I would be high at school. I, I would have her pill bottle in my backpack. Yeah. Did you get in trouble at school? No. Were you a good student? Yeah, A, a and B honor roll, always. Okay, that's what's up. The reason I ask that is because a lot of times, you know, whenever you're trying to tell someone about the dangers and risks of using drugs, and I know you've probably seen it too, like the faces of myth, like they'll show you somebody who like, and honestly, I mean, and I'm not downplaying the risk of drugs at all, but like the the people that they used for those pictures were like so far like bad on meth, and I'm sure there's people out there like that, but I've only met, like, in all my years in the drug world, and I've seen a lot of people, you know. Like, I've only seen two people that look, like, that bad, you know, that, like, you're like, man, you need to stop. You know what I mean? Like, sores and no teeth and stuff. But a lot of times I feel like people and kids especially, they, they tend to dis disassociate that because they – and even me and you could be like, I'm guilty of it. That could never be me. I would never let myself get like that, you know? So now I want to kind of just show people that what people look like when they start doing the drugs, you know what I mean? Like you, you wasn't like a bad person, you know? And I like your quote where you said that we're not bad people. We just had bad habits, but you were a B honor roll student, which is an accomplishment in and of itself. But when you add in the fact that you had all this this crazy life at home where you were basically in a in a trap house on wheels, you know what I mean, like ninety percent okay. of the time and you know, that's quite a feat for you to push through that and make it to school and then you say A and B honor roll always, like you took pride in that. So I just want people to know, you know, like addiction don't discriminate. It don't matter what class you're from, uh, how much money you got, what your family's last name is, what your social status is, what your race is, how smart you are, how much you go to church. Like sometimes all it takes is one time and boom, you know, but that's the only reason I was asking you that. I don't want you to think I was trying to pry into your business or whatnot, but so we're 13 now. We had this accident. Was it an accident? Yeah, because I, I didn't intend for it to go that far. I I don't know. I, I just wasn't feeling it, and I feel like I didn't give it too long to kick in because uh, I, I just wanted to feel it right then and there. Yeah. And 
since I didn't get that, I was like, all right, I'm going to take some more. And yeah. kept doing that and doing that until I, I blacked out. Yeah, it's hard to gauge that, you know, like, it's, you can gauge kind of appeal because it tells you, like, how much of the drug is in it, you know. But as a kid, you don't know, like, how that works. Like, you don't know that you're, you're supposed to go by how much you weigh and stuff. It really don't matter how old you are, you know. But I ask that because sometimes people do do it on purpose. But a lot of times, even, like, I've overdosed, like, three times myself. Um And I want to clarify that when I say overdose, I usually say falling out because that's the slang term in the streets for when you overdose and someone gives you Narcan or Naloxone and you come back to life. But because a lot of people be like, how'd you die three times and you're still here? You know, well, I came back. But every time was an accident. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wasn't trying to, like, take myself out. I just, I did too much. You know, I didn't, just like you said, like, and that's a problem with a lot of addicts face is not only with even when you stop getting high, the need for you to feel something immediately don't go away. You know what I mean? So whenever you try to work through something or you're like trying to trying to build back the bridges that you burned with people, family, friends, you know, and it's not going as fast as you want to, it tends to frustrate us because we're so used to doing our drug and boom we get the result we want it like immediately you know what i mean so i understand what you mean um did you when they took you away from your family did they put you in the system or did you get to go with another family member or how did that work well that's the thing about it too is i i don't have a lot of family like that on the rest it was just really my direct family my mom my stepdad and my older brother that i grew up with a few aunts here and there, a few cousins, but we didn't really go around them like that. So I, I was very sheltered. Um, it, it was back and forth to school and home or with my mom on her runs and shit. But um, it, it was a shock for everybody that that happened. And then plus with my teachers and everything, because they were like, damn, like she's such a good student. Like what happened? Cause they did get involved because, um, I I ended up self-harming, too, as well, uh, with some things that had happened to me while I was younger. Um, but, yeah, I, I was in the system until I aged out 18. Wow. Um, how was that? I mean, I, obviously, it probably wasn't good. Let me, let me rephrase my question. What was that like? What did that look like whenever you went from that? Was it, was it a major difference from... The, the life you had known up until that point? Definitely, yes. Um, I know that they're just trying to do what's right for you, like give you the best possible. And despite like all the things that I've seen while growing up, like, you know, it wasn't the best, but I just wanted to be home because that was my normal. I, I wasn't used to, you know, having everything and having people that care because with my mom like I could tell her something and she brush it off or you know like not hear me out so I, I don't know it was different and if I went to a place and I didn't like it I showed my ass so I can leave so I get kicked out and go to the next place 
and I, I was just jumping from this place, that place, this place, that place. Were these like group homes or were they just like a single, single, uh, I don't know what the word is for that, like a foster family, I guess, or was it a group setting that you were in? Yeah, it, it was group homes. Did you meet a lot of people there? Were there, um, I know one of my, one of my good friends, one of my best friends, actually, he's locked up, uh, yeah, he, he was in group homes too and he was telling me about it, but his kind of was a little different because he was getting in so much trouble that it ended up being like a, like a juvenile camp. Did yours ever progress to that level or what, did you just stay in a group home setting? Um, I did end up going to juvie because I had ran away from one of my group homes and I went to a whole different state. No money in my pocket, just the clothes that I had on my back and my shoes on my feet. I made it to a whole different state. <laughs> Where'd you go? <laughs> I went upstate. I was in um, Virginia, and then I made it to New Jersey. I was all over the place. How old were you when these uh, little trips were happening? I was 17. Okay, so uh, when you were running, did you have a plan, or was you just trying to get away from where you were? I winged it, man. Like, if I tell you honestly what I did, when I had left the group home, I, I went running down the block. I was in Charlotte at the time. I went running, and for some reason, I, I knocked on somebody's door. I know stranger danger. Like, you're not supposed to do that, but I did it anyway. And the man let me in, and I told him some bullshit story. It wasn't even the truth um, to see if he would help me. He gave me money. He gave me food, something to drink, and he paid for my Uber to go to the Greyhound. Did you buy the ticket at the Greyhound with the money he gave you, or did he buy you the ticket too? Or was you still winging it at this point? I made it to the Greyhound, but my trip was delayed because I ended up running into somebody that had dope. Oh. So at this point, we're we're dabbling in all kinds of stuff now? Yes. That was the first time I ever got introduced to methamphetamine. Did you smoke it or snort it? Oh, God, never snort I smoked it. <laughs> that's it <it's> too bad. <laughs> yeah that's a good deterrent I feel like if you would uh, not for everybody but some people it's like if you're going to try meth you have to snort it first you know like it might cut down on I don't know but so um, you just in, we're in group homes we're running away constantly we're trying to um just get away from that. Uh, was you trying to go back home at some point? Because I know you said you went to New Jersey. That was north. Or was is that just where the location of you was in North Virginia? So it's closer to go to North to New Jersey than to come down to North Carolina. You know, when I was in group homes, I still had contact with my mom, and I would go see her on visits and stuff. And she mentioned that to me too when I finally did come back home because I, I came home after I aged out. And she asked me, like, you know, when you ran, why did you never come home? And I said, like, you know, I just wanted to be home. But 
I didn't come straight home because when they were telling me, because as I'm in the system, they're telling me like, oh, your mom could get you back if, you know, she quits using, if she changes and goes to these meetings and, you know, just do whatever she has to do. And I would tell her that, you know, with all the love and like hurt in my eyes, like, mom, this is all you have to do. Like, you know, please do it for me so I can come home. Like, don't you want me home? And she would never do it. All, all the time, her drug test would come back dirty. So I was just, I was upset and I would just run to somewhere where I felt free, just be free, just to get high and not feel anything. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, he's probably mad at her, you know what I mean? Very angry. I, I can, I can kind of hear the anger. Um, does your mom still struggle or how is, how is she? Um, well, when I first met you, I, I told you about a little bit about what was going on with her. Um, she's paralyzed now because she wasn't taking care of herself. And I, God only knows what she was doing. Like after I had aged out and I was old enough and I was working, going out with friends and everything, I didn't have to ask her for permission. Um, but she ended up having, uh, what's it called? Abscess on her spinal cord. Oh, wow. Is she paralyzed from the waist down or all, all limbs? All limbs. Like, she, she can't even hold her arms up for max of five seconds. She couldn't even oh, sign wow. her when they had her uh, pass her paperwork for her will because, like, they were telling her, like, she's such in a bad state. If you're going to write your will, like, do it now. Yeah. Wow. Uh I hadn't realized. Oh, I kind of forgot. I ain't gonna lie to you, Jazz. Uh, you, when I met you, I was at like, you know, I was going pretty ham. That was probably the the most I've ever like, the most drugs I've ever did in my life in that period of time. I met you, you know. Um, sorry to hear that, Jazz. I was actually gonna ask you if she ever like got her shit together. Um, from how y'all's relationship is now, like, did it ever, are you still mad at her? Did you ever forgive her? Did you, did going through your addiction make you realize that it's not that she wasn't picking you? She was just, it was the drugs over everything? Yeah, now that I'm older, I, I realize that, and I, I'm no longer mad at her. I forgive her. I just want what's best for her. And, um, me and her, we no longer talk. I don't see her anymore because when she was in the hospital, she was just out of it, Jack. Like, she was talking to people who weren't there. Um, one time I, I came in because there was visiting hours. I, I wasn't able to stay with her throughout the whole night. So when I would come back, I, I slept in my car because I, I'm, I, I just didn't want to miss if something happened to her. You know what I mean? Like, if she passed throughout the night, I, I just wanted to be there somewhere close. And yeah. um, I, I came in and she just looked at me like she didn't know who I was. And that, it hurt so bad. Wow. I'm sorry to hear that, Jess. Um, I'll be praying for your mom. I hope she, hope everything gets better. But um, so we, we now aged out. We came back home. Um, you were 18 
Were you 18 when I met you? Uh, I believe I was 19. Okay, so this when uh, when you came back home, I heard you say you were working. Um, so so when you came home, did you continue to like? Was you still getting high and stuff? Um, when I first came home, I got out of rehab at Unity and Charity. Um, I was there for four months. I actually advocated for myself to be sent there because I was like, okay, this is the final countdown. I'm going to age out. Can I start heading back home? And they, they granted me my wish. So I was there for four months and I was going to meetings. And then once I came home, all that stopped. It, it was back to her drug runs. It was back to going to this store, that store. And I was also working. So I, I'm taking her on her drug runs, taking her to to deal drugs and working and then hanging out with friends. I was just constantly busy. I don't, I don't even know how I did it now when I look back at it. Yeah, how long did that how long did you keep that little sprint up? Um until everything until everything happened to her, really. Is that when everything happened to her? Is that when your addiction got bad, or was it was it before that? Or that's when my addiction uh-huh. got it, it got worse at that point. Because I w- I was still using, and she didn't know about it. Weed, yeah, and I started drinking at that point too when I was eighteen. Um, so she knew about those, but she didn't know about the methamphetamines, or so she says. Yeah, you were still working with all this too though, right? You're still working and being busy and doing all her stuff also. Like yeah. her runs and stuff. She might not have knew or she might have knew and not cared as long as you were still to be be able to be there for her. But I know a lot of times we're able to keep up this illusion of, you know, having having it together, you know, by working, by by keeping ourselves busy and stuff. So um so you were 19 or you were still 18 when all this stuff started happening with her? I was 19 and um, she knew because there, there was a time where she couldn't find anything. Her plug was dry. And I mentioned to her, I was like, oh, well, I know where to get it. And she just looked at me and she was like, how? And then I, I just told her, like, I, I know. And, you know, she was like, all right, let's go check out what what that's about. So we went. She didn't ask me nothing else about it. We just got what she needed, and we left. After that, did that become a regular occurrence of you uh, being able to get for her? Sometimes, yes. Um, did y'all use together, or did you just get it for her and drop her back off and then go your separate way, or...? I never approached her with that. I, I never asked her. Um, I would steal her stuff. <laughs> I would steal it because I, I knew where she had it at. Um, when we would go, <laughs> when we would go on her drug runs, um, a lot of the times she would have me hold on to the money, and then she would hold on to her shit. Because at that time, I didn't have a record. I, I was very clean. Like nobody knew anything about me. Like I said, I, I had a very a closed circle. I, I didn't have a lot of family like that. I had a little bit of friends, so nobody really knew. I kept it away from people. Um, but yeah, it, it was 
it was to, if she got locked up, you know, she would get caught with her shit or she'd eat it or whatever. And then I hold on to the money and then that would turn into bail money. Yeah. How many times you have to bail her out or did you ever have to? I've been doing it since I was little. Since I was little. She would have me go into the fridge because she would still like pack some meat, like packs and packs on meat or just whatever. And she'd be like, go down the street and, you know, trade that uh, to our neighbor to help me get out of jail. Like she would call me with her one phone call and I, I would do it. And anything for mom to get her out. Let's do it. Because uh, so, my stepdad, he, he had oh, dementia. Go ahead, go ahead. Your kid. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he had dementia. So he, he wasn't very good with remembering stuff. She she would try to explain to him, and he would just get very frustrated, and he would just hand the phone over to me. So it, it was up to me to handle. Thanks. So you was well-versed in the criminal world then. You, you knew oh. where to get it, how to get rid of it, what to do if you got in trouble. Um, when you started getting bad in your addiction, did that stuff come in handy, though? Yes, because the same people she used to call on, I called on them as well. And they already knew you? Yeah, they they already knew me. They knew my mom. And, you know, they just, it was an ongoing circle. It was just never ending. And I, I'm not proud about it, you know what I mean? But I, I knew I could count on them because if she could, I know I could. And they were just surprised to hear it. They were surprised to see it. You know what I mean? Because they, they never thought that I'd be the one to follow down her tracks. And my whole life, I, I was always told by distant family members, you know, you're you're just going to be like her. You're going to be a little Melissa. Um, How'd that make you feel whenever they would say that? I was angry and I, I wanted to show them wrong, but I ended up proving that they were right, but I, I eventually overcame it. Yeah. Um, you're still writing your narrative too. And yours is already vastly different from your mom's, I might add. But when did you start to, all right, this stuff started happening with your mom. You say things started getting bad. Like what did that look like? What, what were some of the red flags that you started seeing? Or when did you realize that, you yourself might have had a problem or that things were getting bad. I stopped visiting her because um, she just started talking about, like, she, she's paralyzed at this point. So besides her, like, talking to people who weren't there, she started telling me, oh, once I get out, Jazz, it, it's basically back to the same old shit. Like, we're, we're going to be selling still, and you're just going to be, my my legs. You're gonna be my legs. You're gonna be the one who's doing it, and I'm just gonna be in the passenger. And um, yeah, I, I just stopped seeing her. I was like, oh, she's talking nonsense. But who am I to judge her? Because after I left her, and I, I wasn't seeing her anymore, and then uh, other stuff that was going on between us, I I lost my mind too. Like I, I was out here doing things I, I didn't even think I was gonna do. I started running the streets a lot more. I was barely home. Um, letting people use my car to sell drugs out of because I, I was getting high uh, for lending them my car. And 
it, it got so bad to the point I started selling shit out of my house if I didn't have money. I quit my job and everything. So we, we, uh, you started selling your stuff, you quit your job, you're, you're loaning your car out. Um, and I, I, I say this, I'm going to laugh because it's funny <laughs> to me. Uh, you're also at my house a lot, which is, wasn't <laughs> the place to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, if you were getting high and you were looking for drugs, like it was the place to be, you know what I mean? But if like, if you were there, like, you were fucking up. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was the main one, so. And yeah. I've I seen the car a couple times. I, I think I think I commandeered it myself a couple times, which is crazy because I was on house arrest, like 24-hour home confinement. So, like, why would I need a car, you know? But, yeah. Um, so how long did this, did you, uh, was that your bottom moment? What was, what was rock bottom like for you? Did you, uh, was it a moment? Was it a, for me, it was a series of years and a bunch of moments that I, I'm still remembering like day by day. Um, was, what was the event that made you say, I'm tired of this? It was just everything. Like just getting calls about her in the hospital, ripping her IV out she's just ready to go home she's tripping she's mad and you know um what else like just my house started getting empty because jack i was selling everything like i even had a person be like oh like do you want the washers and dryers too and i'm like damn well i need something to wash my shit (laughs) (laughs) i'm like "I, i can't do that now but, um, yeah, it, it just got so bad to the point, like, my house started feeling emptier, and I already felt empty inside, and um, I had people robbing me while I wasn't home, uh, people who I thought were my friends. And yeah, I, I started tripping, started seeing, uh, what is it called, shadow friends and everything, just seeing people walking on the street before I was using and just looking at them, not judging them, but like, you know, just, damn, how did they get to that point? You know what I mean? Because in your last episode, you were talking about, um, you know, some of those people don't come back. Yeah. I, I I remember looking in the mirror, looking at myself, how much weight I lost, all the stabs on my face. And I just, I didn't recognize that person. And I was like, you know what? I can't do this no more. I, I don't want to be like that. What was the, uh, what helped you? So we, we, we decided that we ain't doing this shit no more. What was the first step that you made? Like what, did you go to rehab? Did you do classes? Did you, what did you do that helped you? Well, I ended up getting locked up for a little while. Um, I was clean for three months while I was in there. Um, I got out and as soon as I got out, I was like, all right, I'm I'm not going to use. I'm not going to But it was a day later, and I bought an eight ball. Because while I was in there, per cap had hit, and I, I just got my money while everybody else is broke. So I'm over here just partying with my shit. I was like, all right, one more time, not going to hurt. But you 
never know. Like that one time could be your last time. I, I didn't care. So I, I partied for a week. And when I finally looked at myself and I, I was staying with a friend that I thought was my friend and she ended up saying, as I'm taking a shower, oh, I, I'm going to clean the bathroom. And I'm like, why are you going to clean the bathroom if I'm in here showering? And I'm like, it's because my money, my money's in my bag. So the first thing I thought was to grab my bag and take it in the shower with me. I, I was just tired of all that shit, man. I didn't want to live like that. What'd you do from then? After thinking about everything, I contacted my sister who stays here in Florida. Um, I no longer stay with her, but um, yeah, I contacted her and I told her, I said, I'm tired. I'm, I'm done. I'm ready for a change. Can I come stay with you? She told me, yeah. So I, I went to a friend that I knew I could trust that wasn't in the drug game drove me to Florida. That's awesome. Uh, so that was, do you remember what day that was? That was January 21st of 2021. 2000 of 2021? Yes. Okay. And that's uh, the start of the new journey. That's, uh, Let's talk about that real quick. I like to hear what people's doing nowadays. I know it's it's it makes it seem possible for other people when they see people that they were down bad with or maybe somebody that you loaned your car to or somebody that you got high with is listening right now and I just wanna hear I just want them to hear like that it's possible for you to turn your life around. So what's Tell me about jazz today. How how are you? Said you're not living with your sister no more. Do you have your own place? Yes, I stay with my boyfriend. We stay in a house together. And you're employed. Yes, I work at a warehouse right now. I like to go to school. I just got to figure out what it is I want to do because I would like to get into nursing, but other things as well. Um, I like to cook, so I'm thinking about culinary. And you also got your license, right? Yes, I finally got my license. <laughs> hey, that's it right there. That's that's a that's a big feat for people and you know it's it's not really a big deal if you've never been in trouble for anything like or got your license taken or got caught driving because you never had a license in the first place, you know, but it's a big deal to to be able to get that and not have to you know, because even though you're not having to look over your shoulder no more for, like, cops wanting you for drug charges, you got to look over this shoulder now because you're driving legally, you know. So I'm sure that feels like a, a big relief that you can just, hell, you can speed if you want to now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With no got, worries. So, yeah, everything's good now. I got a new car. I got a house. I, I got a man who loves me. I, I'm sober. I'm going on three years sober. Congratulations. That's huge right there. Three years. That's, I'm proud of you. I know that for me, I don't do it to hear people tell me they're proud of me, but you know, when I do hear it, it makes me feel good. You know, it makes me think about how far I've came. You know, sometimes I look back like, 
And they always say that you're not supposed to look back because, you know, that's not the way you're headed. You're not going that direction. But I've never really put too much uh, emphasis on what they say in the first place. And then I think it's all right to look back whenever you just to see how far you've came. You know, look back down that mountain at the valley that you're in and see where you're at now. You know, um, that's awesome, Jazz. So if if you could go back in time and tell yourself, let's say tell uh, 19-year-old Jazz one thing, what would you tell her? Or do you think she would listen? Knowing myself, I listen, but I'm probably not going to do it right then and there. It'll probably take me some time, but I hear you. Um, one day at a time. One day at a time, because knowing myself, I, I worry about a lot of things. I sweat the littlest things. Um, yeah, j- just one day at a time, keep going. Everything's going to be all right. Even when you're not all right, everything will be all right eventually. Yes, I agree with that. Um, and furthermore, everything happens for a reason. You know, you can't see it in a moment. You know, sometimes it's hard to see the sunshine through the rain, but it's there. Um, yeah, it might not be today. It might not be tomorrow, but it'll be one day. If if there's someone listening right now that's still struggling with active addiction, do you, what kind of advice do you have for them? Would it be the same as you told the young jazz or would it be different? It'd be the same. Just keep going. If you're clean for an hour or a day, however long, you're doing something. You know what I mean? Yes. I I, I would take that one step further because I support the harm reduction standpoint of recovery. You know, I, report, I support all models of recovery because everybody's recovery is different. But, you know, when you talk to somebody who's who's struggling, you know, chances are – even if they absorb everything you say, they're not going to stop using today, you know. So so if we can reduce the harm there, so let's say, how about we use a little bit less today, you know, mm-hmm. that's a start. And even if they're not ready to do that, let's. how about we use with clean needles today? Let's uh, have Narcan on hand. Let's have somebody here in case shit goes, hits the fan. You know, all that is better than, when you got there, it's better than them using a rig they've had for three days by themselves with no Narcan, with some heroin that they don't know is laced with fentanyl or not. Um, I think that just small steps, just like you say, you know, um, I was reading this thing that said that when you're in early recovery, you got to take small steps. It's like walking up a river. You know, you take small steps, you know, everything's hard. The current's pushing against you, you know. But if you take small steps, you'll you'll go a little bit at a time. It's only when you try to take that big, long step that the current knocks you off balance and it knocks you down, you know. So I agree 100% with what you said. Um, I know there's a lot of people that are affected by addiction that's other than the person using, you know, you got you yourself, you were affected by your mom's use. Um, I'm sure your sister who's in Florida was affected by your use before you called her. I'm sure she was, I mean, even if it's just her worried about you, um, 
Do you have any advice for those family members that have someone struggling? Pray for them. Pray for them. Keep loving them. Tough love, too, because they need that. We need that. You know what I mean? Because you baby them, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, it's a... it's kind of it's kind of a sad irony that whenever your loved ones, when you're an addict, they don't show you tough love. You almost think that you're getting over on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. As an addict, so they think they're like they think they're like they think they're they are using you. You know what I mean? Like if I go tell them that I'm gonna get clean, they'll give me twenty dollars, or they'll give me let me spend a night, or they'll give me a ride, or they'll give me this or that, you know, and like they have no intention of following through on their word, so I agree with that too. Um Jazz, that's awesome. Three years, uh you you pushed through, you you started a brand new life. Um I'm proud of you. Thank you for coming on here and sharing your story. I know it's hard to share your story, uh, especially if you've never done it before. It's hard to share it in a personal setting, you know, but knowing that a lot of people listening to it kind of makes you anxious. So um, I want to thank you for doing that. Thank you for having me. And I hope I help anybody who's listening. And I'm here for anybody if anybody wants to talk to me. Yeah, I... um, I would like to say something along that line too. That is that is a great point, Jazz. If if there is anybody struggling right now, whether you need or you're thinking about going to rehab, you're thinking about going to detox, you you just need to vent. You know what I mean? Because sometimes sometimes it's hard to talk to our close circle because sometimes we have frustrations with that close circle, and whenever you try to tell them about it, it's hard for them to see that. You're just expressing your feelings and not think that you're trying to attack them or hurt them or talk bad about them. You know what I mean? Right. So just being that unbiased ear. Do you hurt her? You can you can message her. You can message me at any time. Um, I ain't gonna have all the answers. I can probably tell you a lot about what not to do. I got a lot of what not to do, and I can listen pretty good or read if you just want to message. You know so. Thank you, Jazz. That's going. That's a cool thing we should add to this. You know, um, I'm always open to constructive criticism, comments, recommendations because you know I, I started this one to help people. So if there's anything we can add to make it to be able to help and facilitate to more people, I'm all for it. Thank you, Jazz. No, thank you.